I'm going to ask the the X teams to stay in again this morning. Um, just want to finish. Oh, look at that! I got one of the kids' church things. I hope Pastor David's got what he needs next door. Um, I just want to finish what I got to last week and started and been trying to get to for the last three weeks. And uh, I just really think it's important. One of these things that, that um, is considered essential by the Bible that we understand, and yet one of those things that most of us don't have a, a deep understanding of or, or knowledge of. And so X-Teens will be back to normal um, next week. It is one of those important things that runs through the, the school term of the church. And then it's really important, actually, you learn and know what it is to be in church together and have generations together. It's really wonderful in the holidays to have our kids with us in here. And um, I think last week I had a, a young child running around my feet and ankles. It was wonderful. Uh, I just love doing life and doing family together with it. So anyway, a couple of, um, couple of quick jokes. Um, and by all means, uh, these do not express the values or uh, the in, uh, innate understanding that we have as a church. There was a, a man and his girlfriend asked him one day, what, would you like to know the day and the time that you would die? And he said, of course not. That's a silly thing. And so she looks at him, okay, forget it then. Okay, no, no, I told that badly, obviously. <laughs> As a woman, she passed away and her coffin's being carried by the pallbearers down to the, down to the graveside. And as they're doing this, they knock against the wall and all of a sudden they hear this moan come from inside. And quickly they open up and find she still is alive. And she went on for another 10 years. And, and this time at her second funeral, um, as the pallbearers picked up the coffin, the husband said to them, now be careful, don't knock against the wall this time. Like I said, this does not reflect the values or the understanding of Calvary Family Church in, in these things. We've been talking about, I've been trying to talk about Philippians probably for the last month now, and I've got about 10 verses into it, and uh, we started on, oh, this is, this is fantastic this morning. Um, Give me Philippians up there, mate. Cool. And we got to these couple of verses a couple of weeks ago. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight. And this is where I've been stuck for the last few weeks, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for that day of Christ. That Paul's prayer for us is that love would be the driving factor inside us, hemmed in by wisdom and hemmed in by our morality. And in the depth of that, we might choose what is best. We might live what is best. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. And last week we spoke about that Jesus is coming and that it is the, the resurrected, exalted Christ who's coming again. He's coming in power for us. He's coming in the clouds with fire in his eyes, a sickle in his hand. He's coming with the triumph of angels, the entire angelic host assembled with a trumpet sound. Uh, the whole of earth will hear and all of earth will see his glory on that day. He is our victorious Savior returning for us. And in Thessalonians, Paul writes, and I just want to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm on you, Caleb. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. I love that Paul's desire is for the church and for believers to actually have an understanding about what's going to happen after our time here. 
For we believe that Jesus died, rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. See, the, when all these letters were written, the churches all believed that Jesus was coming back while they were alive. We're not the first generation that sits there and goes, hey, he's coming back soon. I've been doing it for 2,000 years. Verse 15, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with a voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Christ is coming back. I encourage you with that this morning. Christ is coming back for you. Actually, the writer of Hebrews said, this is one of the basic things we should understand. In Hebrews 6, therefore, let us go beyond the basic elementary teachings about Christ and take forward into maturity. Let's not go over again repentance from acts that lead to death, faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, laying on of hands, and what else does he put in there? Resurrection and eternal judgment. These are basic things that we should understand, but for some reason, we don't really talk about it much. It's one of those things we, we don't sort of think about too much. See, um, there in Thessalonians, Paul's saying that there is a resurrection from the dead. There's a rapture that happens when Christ returns. All who are in Christ shall rise and, and go up in the clouds. And because of that, some people have found some fun stickers to put around on their cars and different things. All who belong to Christ shall come that day. Now, one of the things that most people have this theory in the world, and, and this is the world I know we don't hear. Hey, there we go. Most people have an idea that it's like we've got a couple of bowls in our life, and every time I do a good thing or I say a nice thing, or I let someone in front of me in the line in Woolworths, or I don't go off at someone at the roundabout. We go, we, we place things in that bowl over there, and, and, and uh, time I get cranky at my kids, and tell my wife what I'm thinking about her at that moment. I do cut off the person at the roundabout. <laughs> and then I lean out the window and tell them what I think about their driving. <laughs> and we, we think it's like this good deeds bad deeds and then at one day we're going to stand before God and he's going to start counting the bowls and he's going to be like an accountant now just imagine if that was actually the case you guys that have some sort of accountancy degree going on there trying to measure it all up what's worth what how's this all worthwhile but that's that's sort of what we the world thinks and people think. Actually, we, we often teach our kids some things, not just scales, but we teach our kids when we say, oh, that person's died. Oh, they've died and gone to heaven. Oh, your dog's died. That's okay. They've gone to puppy heaven. And we, we use these words and, and 
it's innocent and we're trying to protect them from the hurt, but I wonder if sometimes we're actually teaching them a falsehood that we carry over into adulthood. I mean, Jesus looked at the guys next to it, guy next to him on the cross and said, today I'll see you in paradise. But he didn't say, today I'll see you in heaven. That's a whole other sermon, what happens between now and eternity. But this day, the church will be caught up and raptured and that'll be the first day they enter heaven. But we know that it's not about a set of scales. It's not about how much good and how much bad and have I done enough good to outweigh my bad. We know that it's all just about have we accepted Jesus and in Romans 10, have we believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth? Because getting raptured that day, I need my ticket, man. (laughs) Before that one. Ticket. Picture. There's no picture. That one. Yay. There we go. (laughs) We know that it's just about that. There is no scales. There's no weighing up. It's just whether you got your ticket. I got my golden ticket to get into the Willy Wonka factory. That's what's happening. Flowing chocolate that's not going to add. My clothes have shrunk, I've found, of late. And um, (laughs) I got my golden ticket to get into my Willy Wonka factory on that day. It's free entry. It's free entry if we believe and confess. But then we've got these other scriptures in, that Paul wrote and, and others wrote in, Hebrew, in Romans 14 that are difficult to reconcile with that. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister or why do you even treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. For it's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And in 2 Corinthians 5, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things we've done well in the body, good or bad. And so this is why a lot of people have grabbed this knowledge and grabbed these things and tried to chuck it up. Well, the bowl theory must be right. But the bowl theory doesn't line up communion doesn't line up with the cross and so we try to reconcile these two events into one event but they're separate entities see god gave a a revelation of himself progressively through the bible in the old testament they believed everything spiritual came from god they really had no understanding of who the devil was and so they said an evil spirit of god or god has sent this curse or god has sent this plague And then when Jesus came, he taught us in greater depth about the devil and that it was the enemy that was the author of evil. It took out good and that God is the author of good and all good things come from God. He's the author of good and good alone. Jesus also gave us a deeper understanding of hell. God reserved such a a teaching for, for himself to bring because it was just too hard for anyone else. And so Jesus brought that. But then Jesus also touched on this this effect jesus taught us all about the resurrection he taught us about that life eternal with him but he also touched on a fact that there is another judgment after that a judgment that paul god let paul bring out a lot more and bring a deeper understanding to and that's where we have these things that we're standing before christ we're going to stand before him that day you know the word The word that's used there for judgment seat 
is the Greek word bema. So what's going to happen? We're going to be judged one day for our sin, whether we've sinned or not. You're either in or you're out. A ticket right there. And that's just, we're going to be caught up. There's going to be no standing before Christ. We're going to know it because we just rise with him in the clouds. And then the Bible says we're going to come and stand before the beamer of Christ. In the Gospels, what that looks like is when Jesus was coming up to be crucified, they took him before the beamer of Pilate. So Pilate was up here, high above the court, at his, at his legal desk, sitting there. Whoa, that's a bit more rickety than I thought. <laughs> at his legal desk, sitting there and going, okay, Jesus is there. Who do you want me to let go? Jesus, I rub my hands of it. I take no. It's going to be a little bit ironic when Pilate stands before Jesus because Pilate was really, he didn't really care that day. He didn't want to take ownership, but Jesus would be so personable to Pilate that day when he's before him. And so he, it was that law. And all through the Gospels, they talk about a beamer that is a legal setting, whether you're in or out, judged. Now, there's one thing with that. When you go to court and you're up in front of the judge and, and you're being convicted of something, there's really only a couple of outcomes. You get punishment or you get let off. You get punished or let off. Or you get recompense for what's being stolen from you. You get some restorative justice. Is that the first experience we're going to have in heaven? The fact that God's called us to heaven. And guess what now? You're going to get punished for all the bad things you've done called you up into heaven and I'm going to lay out every bad thing you've done and, and oh, no, going to demote you now and take this off you and take this lower and take this lower. See, the word beamer also had another understanding which fits more in line with how Paul used it. And in Revelation 22:12, Jesus says this, look, I'm coming soon. My punishment is with me. And I'm going to give each person according to their evilness. And my reward is with me. And I'm going to give each person what they've done. And in 1 Corinthians 4, what Paul wrote. My conscience is clear. But that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden and will expose the motives, and at, that, and at that time, that time that he comes, each will receive their praise from God. Each will receive their praise from God. That word praise means to receive a blessing or to receive a reward. That word praise means to receive back what was stolen. You see, Beamer had another understanding. It wasn't just a legal setting. It was the dais that happened at the Olympics or sporting events. Now, I, I don't know about you, or maybe you've done sport. I, I don't remember as a kid. I used to play inline hockey, and I, I remember at the end of the year, you'd all go around and you'd get trophies for what you've done. Now, I remember some years I played pretty poorly. I, I got, used to get sent off every game. I know you can't believe that because I'm, a, I'm such a, a nice guy, and um, I'd never get sent off for trying to rough anyone up or anything like that with, with my stick. Um, but there was no time ever there that at the end of the season, they went, right, I'm going to get our whip out now. 
I'm going to get my cane out and flog you a bit because you played so poorly this season. Not even the guy that cost us a few games got that. We all got trophies, you know, like little kid. <laughs> Everyone gets a trophy. Here we go. Everyone gets a trophy. Let's go. And never at the Olympics have I seen them go, okay, here we go. We're going to give gold, silver, and bronze now. Who came last? We've got a squad out the back that's going to beat you up and take you out. No, the, the beamer, Paul often uses sporting references. I've run the race. I've fought the good fight. He's an Aussie. Paul's an Aussie. He loves his sport. He would have been here with us yelling at the screen on Wednesday night. And okay, Lester, congratulations, mate. Well done, buddy. You can wear that proudly this morning. They won it. They definitely won that. My goodness, Fafita is something of a superhuman being. But he would have been here shouting with us at the screen and just loving the atmosphere of origin. And he just loved his sport. I fought the good fight. I've run the race. And so when Paul talks about Beamer, this is what he's thinking about. He's thinking about the podium. He's thinking about the dais and the reward of Christ. I'm coming soon. And guess what? My reward is in my hand. And so what's it look like? What's it look? You might sit there and say, that's, that's a bit unfair though, hey? What do you mean we get rewarded? I thought we all got the even thing. It's like when I'm dealing up ice cream to the boys. I need to make sure. It's almost like you get the scales out at that point, isn't it? Parents understand this. You need to measure the same. He's got, I want that bowl. He's got more than me. It's just not. And, and I've got marks on. I like cups that have lines on them. So when you are giving soft drink on those rare, 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 rare occasions, dear children, you get, so you measure the line. And then they'll always find there's one higher or one lower than the other. And, and we might say, how's that fair? What do you mean we've all chosen? Jesus told a story of a bunch of workers coming to work for the day and the ones who got there in the morning get the same wage as the ones that get there in the afternoon and we think, whoa, goody. If that's the way it works, I'm going to wait till the afternoon to actually rock up to work. If I get the full wage right at the end of the day, that's great. I don't... And some people have thought that. I'm just going to live it up and I'm going to wait for that moment before I die and I'm going, I'm sorry, Jesus. Bam, I'm there. But it's one of those things. God has chosen heaven's the same for all of us. Heaven's the same for all of us. We all get that same reward, and that's what Jesus is talking about. But after we get entrance, we all go before the seat of Christ and all give an account of everything that we've done, and he chooses to give us rewards. He chooses to give us, on top of that, extra for what we've done and, and how we've lived. And so Paul uses this, Paul uses this as a motivator for our behavior. But surely loving Christ should be enough to motivate me for good behavior. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep, if you love me, boy, you'll keep my commands. <laughs> if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Surely the love of God's enough. Yes, it is. My boys love me. They come, they don't go to bed without hugs and jumping all over me. And even this morning when they rocked up, come running up, give me hugs. My boys love me. Tell you what, that didn't help trying to teach them to eat veggies. Didn't matter how much they love me. They're just, ice cream helped. Same thing with us. Sometimes the lo just loving God's 
not enough. He promises there's a reward. And that's why Paul says, be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Why? Because he wants us to receive the full reward that God has for us. Jesus knew it was there. His disciples knew it was there. That's why James and John walked up to him all the time going, hey, hey God, hey Jesus, when you get to glory, can we be on your left and the right? And then when it didn't work for them, they sent their mum. Hey Jesus, my boys, left and right, hey? Let them up there, number one. Let them have the biggest reward. Now there's a world-class runner and, and she was invited to a race to, to compete in it and, um, in Connecticut. And so she drove up to New York and she really didn't know where she was going. She just knew it was in, started in the car park outside a shopping center. She, so she got to a servo and went, where's this race? And he knew, oh, just down the road there. And so he sent her down to the road and she got there and went, well, there's a few less people running today than I thought. But she went and signed up and was surprised when they didn't have her number or realized that she was coming. Anyway, so she signed up quickly and she ran the race. And of course, she finished first, four minutes in front of the the fastest male that day. Well done, female. And um, she got there and, and went to the dive to get a reward, and they sort of said to her, oh, no, there's no prize. In the next city, there's the big race today. They hand out a $10,000 prize for the race. She was in the wrong race. She didn't get her prize. You know, in this one, we've got to be in the race to actually get there. We've got to be in this to get the right prize through there what's it going to look like what's going to happen well there's some metal slides there Caleb Matthew 12 we're going to stand and give a personal account he says that we're going to give a personal account before Jesus of everything we've done one of the things that we're going to give account for every word that's spoken every empty word we've spoken we're going to stand before Christ and everything that's on our lips and everything we talk about is going to be presented there and we're going to miss out on some stuff if we talk dribble all the time, which I'm a bit worried about. I talk nonsense all the time. Pastor Reese was very good at ignoring me around the office for years. He had a, oh, all my dribble that I talk about. It's fantastic. <laughs> How we love, Jesus said, what you've done for the least of these. How you've given them water when they were thirsty and given them food when they were hungry. You've clothed them. So you've done for me. We're going to be judged on how we love and, and have a reward coming for how we love. You know, there's a whole list there, Caleb. We're going to be called on our calling, whether we've followed our calling, whether we've done the things that we've been called to do, whether we've, um, how we go in our conduct, our character, our consecration, charity, confession, and commission. You know, that call, that call. Are we, go, are we following our call? You know, there's going to be people that stand before Jesus that day and go, I preached and I won hundreds to the, won hundreds to the church. He's going to be going, that's fantastic. But I called you to be a butcher. And there were hundreds, there were thousands in that that I wanted you to minister to that only you could because you had the skills and the ability there to minister in that. And the others, oh, I, 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 was, I was an accountant and I, I, I gave thousands and thousands to missions. That's great, but I wanted you to be a preacher. Do we follow that call? And are we listening to that voice inside our hearts? I remember many times there were choices all the way through. Getting to where I am now. Choices all the way through of good options. Good options. Whether I keep pursuing psychology and become a psychologist. Whether I 
they'd take up teaching, become a guidance officer. There was a lot of people instructing me to go that way, but I knew the call of God in my heart was to love the local church and to lead the local church. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that day when I can stand up and say that with confidence. In there, there was a preacher, and after he died, he went and stood before the throne, and, and he noticed in heaven that there was a, a cab driver who received more reward than him. And he asked God, hey, God, what's up with this? And, and God said to him, mate, let, let's be honest. How effective was your preaching? Really, what was going on there? He, he eventually admitted, yeah, people were falling asleep while I was preaching. We didn't listen. Well, I'll tell you what, that cabbie, every time someone hopped in his car, they didn't fall asleep, and every time they prayed. <laughs> Do we follow the call that we've got on us? And there, Paul says that... Um, Jesus is the foundation that we teach on. And this is one for anyone who teaches, whether you preach or lead a group or instruct others. All of us are called to make disciples. So when we teach, he says that on the foundation of Christ, everything that we put on there, all the doctrine and all the teaching and, and knowledge and theology we build up on there, what's going to happen is there's going to be a fire that sweeps through all of it. And only the gold is left. Everything that was, was feeble and futile is going to be burned away. And the gold remains, and we'll receive something for that. He also says that that's about, not just about the teachers, but that's each of us. Do we receive good doctrine? Do we believe the right things? Are we being responsible for our own theology? Fire's going to expose, and fire's going to test. John said this, look to yourselves that you may not lose what you've worked for, but you might win a full reward. You know, our God's not stingy. Our God's not stingy. You know, um, Joseph Kratzy, he uh, worked in an elevator back in the early 1900s. And one of the, one of the tenants lost these two checks for $114,000. And so being the good, good building operator that he was, he went and dug through the trash and pulled open countless bags and jumped in the bins and eventually found these envelopes with these with these checks in them and took them back up to the owner. And the owner was so grateful and so thankful, he gave him 15 cents and offered to put some ointment on his hand. That's all right, because years earlier he'd worked in a bank and one day found that just on sitting on the floor was $86,000. That day the manager was very grateful and gave him a $5 reward. Just like the taxi driver. He found that one of his one of his driver or one of his clients had left um, seven thousand dollars in her purse on the back seat. So he found her address, got his name, found the address, and drove ten kilometers to find her house and return it. She was so grateful she gave him a dollar as a reward. That's not our God. Our God is not stingy, but he is quick to reward. There's a bunch of crowns there, Caleb. You know, the Bible talks about there's five crowns that God has stored up for us in reward in the Bible. And I'm not talking about the bad card game. Uh, the, the crown of rejoicing for those who win others to Christ. The soul winner's crown, number two. The crown of righteousness for those who look forward to the return of Christ. The crown of glory for those who faithfully teach the word. The crown of the incorruptible crown for those who run a good race, and the crown of life 
for those who lay their lives down for Jesus. God's got stored up all this stuff that he just wants to lay upon you. And so it's one of those things that when we get there, he is a rich rewarder. So when that day comes, when he comes back and returns, we're going to be caught up in the clouds, whether we're still alive or whether we've been buried or cremated. It's okay. Not even, like I said last week, even the man that decided that he didn't want to be around when Jesus returned. He didn't want the resurrection. And so what he did is he left instructions that when he died, he'd be cremated. And then he asked that they would be flown up in the air and scattered from a plane so that when Jesus returned, there was no chance that he'd raise again. I'm sorry to say, buddy, <laughs> that hasn't worked for you. So on that day when he comes, what's going to happen? We're going to be caught up with him in the clouds. Then we're going to appear before him, and he, we're going to be standing on the dais telling him about our life. And I hope that you're standing at the top on that. Tell him about your life, receiving the rewards, receiving the crowns. This is why Paul instructs us so much through his letters. Live lives of purity and blame. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know if it's going to be one at a time that we file through. That might take a while, but a day to Jesus is to a thousand years, it says in eternity. I don't know if it's going to all happen instantaneously because we can all be there beforehand. But whatever, it's going to be one of those joys that we look forward to and not be scared of. Like John says, some are afraid of his return. What a sad thing. What a sad thing. It is just going to be one of the most glorious experiences. There was a blind soldier who was playing piano. Um, just just one of those days after the war. was in, in playing the piano and and in there walked up this man afterwards, walked in, listened, and they, they were just around. Walked up to him and tapped him on the shoulder and said, well done. That was a, a, you did, oh, that was just great. Really enjoyed your playing. He turned around and said, oh, thanks, mate. Who are you? Just thinking it was one of his colleagues. Who are you? I'm your king. Quickly, he jumped up and straightened his coat and stood to attention. There's some, going to be something special when it's God himself before us who's laying the glory on us, when it's God himself that has prize and reward in his hand. And that's why that, that verse of John, I want to finish with this morning, Second John, verse 8. Watch out that you do not lose what you've worked for, but that you may be rewarded Father, we are just so grateful, so grateful that we can look forward to the fact that, Lord, we're going to make it into heaven, that you have, you have ensured that, Jesus, Lord, if we'll believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth, and we know that believing is more than just having some sort of thought, but it means our actions operating on that belief, Lord, that we're going to make it. We get that golden ticket and that entry. Lord, but we thank you that after that, as we're caught up in there, somewhere around that, Lord, we're going to be standing before you. And Lord, at that moment, our lives laid bare. So we know what we do on this earth counts, God. We know it counts. Lord, we don't want to be with those foolish people that just say, oh, Jesus, whatever. Sin and sin abundantly because it doesn't really matter. Lord, we know it counts. And we know that there is a reward coming and that you are a rewarder of the, the just and the righteous. You are faithful to reward. That you have a good desire to give reward. Father, even though we want to follow you with all our heart and strength and mind and soul and body because we love you, Lord, sometimes we need the encouragement of 
of that there's something good. There is a prize ahead. And so, Lord, with that, we want to follow the words of Paul and, and live pure and blamelessly because you're coming with a reward in your hands. So again today, Lord, we choose you. We choose purity. We choose holiness and we choose relationship with each other, Lord. Let's just stand and, and give God praise this morning. Just let the Holy Spirit minister whatever he needs to minister to your heart. As we do that, I, I just encourage you again.